411 Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. State of world, 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl, 411 Live. The federal eviction moratorium expired March 31st. Now what? What about the people who lost their jobs and they didn't pay the rent because they didn't have the money? Well, that debt didn't go away, so they still owe that back rent. Are there uh, many uh, evictions now? Will there be? What about housing disparities? Hello, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. We're going to talk about some of those issues, but joining me to do that, I have two guests. Jared English, who is the Director of Housing Development for Metcalf Park Community Bridges, and Melody McCurtis, who is Deputy Director and Organizer for Metcalf Park Community Bridges. Welcome to both of you. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Okay, so mm-hmm. I know we've got the sound, so we're ready to go. Let's just dive right. dive into this. Let's start with the moratorium because, um, you know, it was out, it was extended, it was extended, but it there was a, a call to action with it. You know, you had to go to the CDC or another website to download that mm-hmm. declaration. You got to uh, sign it, give it to the landlord. And I'm just wondering, mm-hmm. were there some people who heard about uh, uh, eviction moratorium and, and heard a date um, and just figured, I'm good. You know, I'm under this moratorium. I don't have to worry about it. And they didn't do the action that needed to be taken. Did you find that within the community, Metcalf Park? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we did because we know that our, our community was not getting that information, right? Mm-hmm. They were not receiving um, the steps to be able to do it. So we had to create uh, some printed language and materials to, to really guide them step by step uh, and get those information to those doors, right? Yeah. Because everything about it was online and our folks from March to now are saying we are not online, right? We still need to be communicated with through phone, through text, through door to door. So that's what we have done. Um, And a lot of folks were confused about all of the steps. Mm -hmm. And then when folks went through all of those steps um, to even try to get some some rental support, they came down, you know, all of the money that came down, they were on a waiting list. Some of them never got that rent support. Right. So the whole process was not um, it wasn't a fair process to me. It was not a process where it wasn't overwhelming. And, you know, in my opinion, the rent should have been canceled, right? Not, not you know, a pause on it. It should have just been canceled for the times that we're in. And I'll, I'll toss it to Jared. You know, people, I think this is something that we see often, but uh, that folks in different institutions and in government really don't even think about. Um, you know, when we talk about, or anyone talks about like the top-down approach, you know, these are, in a lot of ways, um, perfect examples of it, because what you get is lawmakers and or um, bureaucrats um, in the government and or folks um, in nonprofit institutions saying, well, you know what, Um, this is pretty easy. There's this thing on this 
CDC website. Um, it's only nine pages. Um, things like that. Yeah. Um, it's only got a couple footnotes. You like ten footnotes, and then expecting someone with a family with children trying to find some type of work or sustenance during the pandemic um, quarantine, um, and there are all the restrictions of, of that, and uh, being able to manage something like that. And it's you know it's kind of it's very much similar to, you know, when people talk about how black and brown communities aren't always as engaged um, in voting as they, they, they could be. Um, and it's not necessarily because people don't want to be, it's because they have 20 things more pressing and important at that moment to deal with than, you know, trying to get to um, the place where they have to do their documentation or register to vote or wherever it be. Or in this case, um, activate this moratorium um, kind of uh, uh, restriction for themselves. Um, when I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just about to say, listening to you guys, I, I hear two things. There is a digital divide that's mm-hmm. really oh, yeah. real, and there are mm-hmm. priorities in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And speaking specifically of that, and kind of to Melody's point, um, you know, when people say, well, you know, we just think, we like to think and be very practical and very kind of the ground up from things. You know, you don't build a high rise um, from the sky. You, you start deep in the ground, so you anchor it, right? Yeah. And that's what we do in Metcalf. When we talk to residents, you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's a priority list. So, you know, if they are in a position where they have lost their income or can't pay rent, um, you know, how likely is it that this person is also not uh, rationing and or is canceled whatever internet connection they might have um, to be able to, to, to do anything. Like if food is up here, internet is going to be way down here. And so um, to even assume that a person has access to that, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that uh, kind of like white privilege, um, but otherwise privilege, economic privilege, it blinds you. Yeah. And you don't even see those types of possibilities because that's not your life. Right. And that's often how, um, not just this country, but extra particularly Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin have operated um, or do operate. Yeah. And to ta- Go ahead. To take it a step further, when we look at uh, the landscape of Milwaukee, right, we have no rent cap. You know, 50 percent mm-hmm. of Milwaukee is owned by folks that don't live in Wisconsin, period. Right. We have a lot of uh, slumlords. Right. Uh, there is an eviction tool out to, where you can you can see you know, prop by property, how many times this landlord has evicted people at that property. So when we look at all of these, um, this data, right, um, people are just seeing this data, but our folks in our community are living this data, right? Right. So we, so we, are, we are seeing that every day and how it plays out. So even when you say uh, pause the rent, we have slumlords that are not fixing you know, major things that need to be fixed on the house. I mean, we got people, my, my, my heat is not working and my, my landlord hasn't came to fix it, right? And then even mm-hmm. when you say, hey, we have this money to support your rent, most of that rent is going to a slumlord that doesn't deserve rent. So we really yeah. got to be mindful of uh, the systems, the structures and the policies and procedures that's in place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because if we don't do that, we keep making decisions that make the outcome worse and worse and worse 
when we're talking about BIPOC communities, especially Black communities, um, and especially mm-hmm. residents that live in Metcalf Park, who, whose medium income is under $20,000 a year. Wow. Who yeah. renters are 76% of the, the entire neighborhood, right? Um, we, we really got to be mindful of that. And, and what we're saying is we don't want people to say um, racism is a public uh, health crisis, right? I want you guys to say it, but I wanted to to see it played out, right? Yeah. And how you see it played out is, hey, the rent is canceled. Period. You're not going to owe back rent. Okay. What What do you say to the landlord who says, "Well, if I don't get the rent, I can't pay the mortgage." So, so a lot a, a lot of these uh, landlords, a lot of the housing stock that we have in Metcalf Park, specifically. They have owned these homes for a long time. A lot of them have purchased the the houses from the city so they don't have mortgages um, and all they have is taxes. And a lot of the renters in Metcalf Park, we got renters renting for 20 years, five years, 10 years. They didn't pay for the price of that house already Uh times two. So so I I don't really want to hear about somebody saying they got a mortgage. And, you know, we talk about Things like uh, during the last um, kind of, um, I guess you could call it stimulus at the kind of beginning of the pandemic Um, and the PPP loans and things like that, Um, a lot of those funds um, went to small companies and and things like a lot of the landlords that own a lot of the property. And so, you know, if they, whatever, you know, their, their maintenance crew, whatever, they would say, you know, I need $300,000 $300,000 to keep them employed, they got it. And as long as they kept those folks working, um, or at least, you know, could show the government that they were working, they didn't have to pay that money back. And um, I don't know, you know, the 600 pages of the new stimulus bill. Um, so I'm sure there's something else in there. But, um, you know, a lot of the assistance when it comes to monetary um, assistance, the vast majority of it um, oftentimes goes to uh, sustaining um, the business interests. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but, you know, mm-hmm. you have to have balance. Like, you don't want, obviously, the economy to crash, but the economy is nothing if people don't have any money to spend feeding and, and clothing and housing their family. Well, let me ask you this. And so, Millie's absolutely right. Okay, let me ask you this. With the American Rescue Bill that, you know, recently uh, the president signed, uh, you know, mm-hmm. about two trillion. Uh, within that, you know, the twelve hundred dollars, the the uh, child care, child assistance part, the thirty billion, I think, went to emergency rent relief program. But I think you you need to to apply for that. But do you think yeah. these things will help um, a lot of the residents? Is it enough to help them to stay in their place to pay that back rent? To sustain well, them, so they will, um, but it's, it's one of those things of um, not enough. Um, and you know, it's very true that yes, the United States is the third largest country on Earth population-wise, but there are nations who were giving their residents stimulus uh, funds every single month this entire last year. And um, you look at a nation like New Zealand, you look at. Um, some of the uh, kind of East Asian nations. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways they've been able to sustain 
um, and not only keep their economy going, um, but keep the source of that economy, the people, uh, sustained. And obviously they're not perfect either, um, is to make sure that um, they are giving the support to their citizens that they're supposed to. And so, you know, one of those things, and I'm, you know, we won't go into political wonk talk, but um, somebody said once upon a time, deficits don't matter. Um, that is probably 90% true uh, when it comes to the federal government, since, you know, the, the government controls the money supply, literally makes it out of thin air, um, and literally the faith and, and, and credit of the people of the United States. When people talk about the debt, the debt of the United States government, the vast majority of it is not owned by foreign entities. It's owned by us, um, the citizens of the United States. And so that changes the conversation completely uh, when you think about that. Um, and um, that being the case, you know, it's kind of like, um, and I don't want to, Melody knows, I can get a bit nerdy, but there's a thing called um, startup energy. So uh, when an engine starts, anything that is producing um, work, and that's, you know, there is what they call an activation energy. So there's a high level to get this engine going. But once you get the engine going, the bad boy sustains itself. And that's kind of how economies work in a lot of ways. It's like you have to keep it going um, because it's such a large um, thing yeah. that, you know, it does slow down, you know, that friction drags everything. But if you can keep it going, um, or in the case of stimuluses, um, inject those resources into the, the not just the economy, but the very base level of the economy, which is the people, they will automatically sustain the rest of it. And so, um, as Melody was saying, we talk about canceling the rent. Um, you know, you could have done such a thing and said, okay, the government's going to give you a certain level of assistance, landowner or property owner, to, you know, uh, take care of your obligations. We're going to force the banks to um, accept those obligations. This is extenuating circumstances. Nobody wants the Great Depression. Right. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, and more or less, you know, you think about the mortgage crisis back in 2008. That's more or less what they did. Gotcha. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I will add to that is, you know, once that money rolls in, right, to, to different, different states, you know, how is it going to be implemented, right? How is it going to be dispersed to communities, right? Now, that's so big. It could be helpful, but it... it, it what we saw is a lot of things that yep. came down weren't helpful. Yep. So yep. Uh, the, the folks in, in, put in those positions of power making those decisions, they, ne they need to stop being disconnected to the community. The, their way is not working, right? Yeah, we need um, to get on the got, same page. We need to get on the same page. I mean, you, yeah. it's a lot of different folks uh, surrounding Milwaukee doing a lot of different work, right? For, for them, by them, right? So so Metcalf Park is just one of the examples of that. But they, they really need to sit down and listen, right? Or, or we just need to give them a directive because it's getting out of hand and, and, and money coming in and then no, none of the, the, nobody in the community benefited from it, you know, and they're living here, they're working here, you know, they're, they're spending their final days here. They should be able to be valued um, in the place that they live and they yeah. should be able to benefit from anything that comes into um, their state. Not enough mm -hmm. different voices at the table, I think. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. But we're going to pause. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk a little bit more on renting 
you know, landlords investigate potential renters. Should renters investigate landlords? We'll be yep. right back. COVID-19 has changed how we spend weekends with the girls. Now it's time to take the first step that lets us get back to brunching instead of late night munching. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts. As COVID-19 vaccines become available, you may have questions. Should I get it? Is it safe? Should I wait? It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts at GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you. Because the fight isn't over yet. You will see me choose to protect my community by wearing a face cover. And even with my face covered. You will see me. As a son. As a man with a never quit attitude. As a fighter for change. Join me in wearing a face cover. To help stop the spread of the coronavirus. Because this is one small act of kindness that has the power to make a big difference. Welcome back. I'm talking to Jared English and Melody McCurtis uh, with the Metcalf Park Community Bridges. And we've been talking about evictions and renting and all those different things. Um, you mentioned something earlier um, about the percentage of renters in the Metcalf Park area. And it was extremely high. Tell me that again. Yeah, so Metcalf Park have 76% renters. Um, in the community. Um, and a lot of black communities in Milwaukee have similar numbers like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not because folks don't want to own. They don't have access to be able to own, right? Um, and, and, or, or the wealth to be able to own, right? Um, and a lot of their income, you know, nine times out of 10, 85 to 90% of their whole income is going to rent and utilities and different things like that. So how you do know, they have the ability to save, right? Absolutely. You know, I was thinking about that because uh, people are drawn to, Mil say, Milwaukee um, to buy property, rental property, because mm -hmm. rent is so high, higher mm -hmm. as compared to property costs. Mm -hmm. So many people in that area are probably paying more for their rent than I'm paying for my mortgage. Yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. The, the average rent in Metcalf Park is $700 to $1,200 a month. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we got somebody that's paying $1,200, and her house is next to two vacant lots across the street. is a foreclosed house and then two vacant lots next to that. So our rents are, are, are some of the same rents that folks are, are paying in, in River West. You know, So that's the reality. It's cheaper to own. Milwaukee is one of the few cities in the entire nation that it's cheaper to buy a house than it is to rent. And um, to all the points that you all mentioned, you know, you know, there's one thing to, you know, being uh, a good landlord and investing and making your property and the community better and being good to your tenants. It's something else to be predatory and, um, you know, callous and um, derogatory and, all anything you can think of um, residents of Metcalf Park have experienced in dealing with um, their landlords. So they some some landlords, not saying all, some landlords look at it as mm -hmm. an opportunity, an investment, make some money, but aren't willing mm -hmm. to put anything into it to, you know, be what we would yeah. classify as a good landlord. Do you have any stats about the eviction rate? So we looked at one block last year 
um, 37th Street. Mm -hmm. And it was over 200 evictions on that one block. On that one block for two years. For one block. That's unheard of. That's unheard of. For one block. So if we look at one block, imagine how how the if we looked at all the blocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I'm sure a lot of folks, um, you know, Melody gives that actual real life statistic. Um, And there was a book a while back. um, And, you know, it's, you know, it had a lot of relevant information and it's, you know, those things are great because, you know, they people who just don't even think about this stuff actually might but um what was in that book uh was basically um what people know literally every single day uh nobody needed um you know a harvard uh author to come and tell them that um but that is the type of thing that happens here in milwaukee where somebody will wait for somebody from the outside to say oh my god milwaukee do y'all see how bad things are how much you know your people are suffering and when the people themselves go downtown to City Hall, or they go to the, the courthouse or they go wherever, you know, a lot of what they say falls on deaf ears until somebody else comes in. Um, that book said something like, you know, on average, every six months, people get evicted. I would not be surprised if it's um, um, in addition to what Melody just said, much, much higher than that. Um, and um, the reasons that um, you know, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, um, you know, that, that, that number is potentially going to spike much, much higher. And so, you know, that's why, you know, we in Metcalf Park, you know, we're, we're trading a different road. So. Yeah. You know, if you pay, you're paying 75, 80% of your, your payment, your wages to rent, there's not a lot for anything else. And if one emer- one slight emergency happens, mm-hmm. that knocks everything off. So to, then to, you're in that spiral. Go ahead. The reality of it, once somebody is evicted, they are at risk for predatory landlords, right? Mm-hmm. Um, landlords, some landlords, you know, the, 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 the better landlords won't rent to them. But the landlords whose uh, history is evicting folks and not fixing things on their property, not being responsive. They target those type of renters. And that's when you just see this whole cycle of evictions happening and happening, but it's, it's putting folks at risk. So even now, um, when folks don't have the rent and they get evicted, that might affect them for like the next five years because it stays on their record. Right. Even if they, even if they um, pay the rent, right? If that landlord starts the process of a court hearing, that still is on their record. And some people will say, even though it was resolved, even though it was paid, even though it was dismissed, we still won't rent to you. So it's a whole cycle uh, of, of just declining um, families' uh, ability to, to create wealth and to thrive once that's on their record. And when uh, people are looking for property, rental property, um, well, to rent, how do they go about checking out the landlord? Well, now it, they, don't. they don't, right? And now it's this app that's that's readily available for folks to, to, to see how often the landlord evicts. And one of the things that we're going to be doing next week is printing that material out and taking it to the door so folks can 
um, be able to look, you know, do a background check on mm -hmm. these landlords, right? So just doing that education mm -hmm. piece, but there was no way to do it, right? right. There's there's a way to see cap folks, um, and it's hard to see cap landlords because a lot of landlords have 50 different business names and LLCs, and mm -hmm. it's a whole it's a whole mess. But yeah. I, I'm gonna let uh, Jared add that piece on there. Um, no, you you got it just smacked on the head. That's exactly what it is. People don't um, they there's a few things going on. So, and this goes back to to kind of what we were saying um, in regards to thinking from the ground up. So you think of a person who was just evicted from another property. That person may have a couple children, you know, have a dog, you know, have uh, a job that they, you know, uh, is not paying enough, whatever it may be, or no job at all. Um, and so that person, um, you know, is not, they're in a crisis mode um, and almost continuous. And you can think, you know, with 200 evictions, um, you know, I don't know because we have so much kind of empty space now with the average uh, number of, of units on a block are right now. But um, that's, you know, verging on one or two evictions per person per year. That's crazy. Um, that's, that's... And um, that being the case, if you are in a situation, as Melody said, where you cannot, um, you know, you won't, the, the, the quote unquote good landlords will not accept you. Um, then the bad ones, they're just sitting there waiting to, to devour you. Yeah. And um, and you have no choice. You have no, um, even if you do have the information, you know, that might very well be the only option that you have is to go and live um, in that bad landlord's property. Um, and so we're in a situation in Milwaukee. Um, and I used to, to work for a large um, uh, civil rights and civil liberties organization a few years ago. Um, but one of the things we did there that's very analogous to this is uh, deal with um, kind of the the citation issue uh, where people in Milwaukee, particularly black folks, brown folks too, but extra particularly black folks, um, have not just scarlet letters put on them. They have scarlet encyclopedia uh, series put on them. And um, when we talk about accessible opportunity, um, you know, everything um, in this nation, um, is based on credit or, you know, your access to credit or your ability to, um, uh, get, uh, investment. And all of that is based on the paper records that are left on you. It doesn't mean anything about your character or who you are or what you're trying to do or your aspirations. Um, but if it's on those records, as Melody said, whether, you know, CCAP, uh, though you may have paid your debt to society, quote unquote, um, and or um, otherwise uh, records, eviction records, that is basically there forever. And um, and so when you talk about access to opportunity, it's like a door that's fastly closing and, you know, you can get right. your hand through it, but it might get cut off. Right. Let me ask you this, because we're about to run out of time, but I know that there's an effort going on with you guys to uh, get housing, help people own their homes. Tell me about that. Absolutely. Long before I worked, in Metcalf Park, I volunteered there. You know, RED, uh, Danelle Cross is one of the best, if not the best in the city. Um, and Melody, you know, one of the best, um, if not the best community organizer. And that being the case, um, 
roughly two and a half years ago now, something like that, right, Melody? We started really kind of uh, thinking about all these issues. And one of the things that differentiates Medcalf from almost every other uh, community serving organization is that we don't do anything without getting the residents input and not just input, but thorough, deep, you know, uh, months and weeks long input um, and what they want us to do. So what has this resulted in? I'm sorry? What has this resulted in? So, yeah, time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, What it's resulted in is that we um, have a housing strategy uh, that is resident focused uh, that will, um, you know, we don't want to give too much of it away. But, um, and that's not to be, you know, um, you know, kind of hooty tooty about it, but it's just to make sure that we get it done mm-hmm. before, um, you know, unfortunately things like this can get attacked. Um, but it's making sure the residents have access to housing, making sure that, um, they have rental property that's not just affordable, but high quality that doesn't poison their families. You don't have to worry about the children getting lead poisoning, um, the walls falling in. Um, and making sure that um, the community that's built is reflected in the built environment. Very yep. good. So it, when this program gets off the ground um, and mm-hmm. you're more into it, people are seeing it, and you're ready to talk more details about it, you guys come back, okay? We're going to come back. We sure will. Okay. This, is the bottom, the, this is the bottom line. We are creating houses that's owned by the community for the community, right? The community that already lives mm-hmm. there that needs to benefit from all and any development within their neighborhood. And folks can donate, they can follow us on Facebook, or they can go to our website, metcalfparkbridges.org to donate to our housing strategy. Excellent. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being, you know, kind of in the trenches, so to speak. You know, you have organizations that are kind of circling around way up here and saying, I can do this, I can help, but they don't really know what help is really needed. And you guys know, and you're, you know, inviting the community to give input. So that is, that's awesome. So thank you again for joining us. We have Jared English and Melody McCurtis, and they are with the Madcap Park Community Bridges. Thank you for what you do and keep up the good work. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Beverly. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. Hey, we are a nonprofit organization, so if you'd like to help us, go to our website, the411live.org, and donate, sponsor, uh, anything, and leave comments. We like that, too. So until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.